Is this on? It is. Now it is. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the fire and burn. Convert and consecrate our lives for our great good and for the greater glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Most of us, most of us here this morning uh, live in two worlds, at least. We are citizens of two uh, kingdoms. We are citizens of the United States, and we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And each of those uh, entities have their own calendar. So in our national civic uh, calendar, you all know what today is. You better know what today is. It's Mother's Day, and I'm delighted that my wife, Allison, is here with me, and that we'll be celebrating Mother's Day with our son who lives in Buford. It'll be a a wonderful time together, and I just want to say that to begin with so that you know that I'm aware of it, but I'm not talking about mothers today primarily, because this is another important day in that other kingdom that you are a part of, unfortunately, many of you and many within the church do not know what it is. It's more important than Mother's Day. It is the Sunday after the ascension of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I know that In the life of the church, Christmas is well known when Jesus took upon himself our human flesh, our human condition, and lived and died as one of us, fully God, fully man. And you probably know and celebrated Easter when we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over sin, hell, death, the devil, and judgment. Hallelujah. And we say, Alleluia, Christ is risen, and the congregation says, the Lord is risen indeed, Alleluia. And many of you probably were in church at least for 15 minutes or 30 minutes on Good Friday when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. And you may possibly know that next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came. Those are big days. But they're big days for us as human beings. And as Martin Luther once observed, many Christians love Jesus as a flea loves a tramp. They want to get on his warm body and eat. But they're not seeking his good and the glory of the tramp. They're seeking their own appetites. I guess it's that for that reason that the church so often doesn't celebrate the ascension. But I need to tell you, 
It's an important day for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because he went home. You say, what does that mean, Bishop? Why is that important? Many of you are are old enough to have at least heard of World War II. When the whole world was at war. The Allied forces and the Axis forces. And when Germany and Japan and Italy surrendered. And the Allied forces prevailed. There was a ticker tape parade in New York City. General Eisenhower and the troops returned victorious. And they went in a cavalcade parade down the skyscrapered streets, the canyons of Manhattan. And in those days, you could open up the windows. And people tore up phone books and any kind of paper they could get a hold of. And coming down from the skyscrapers on Manhattan came a 100,000 tons of jubilant junk. Celebrating that the victors had returned. Victory. Those soldiers who marched up the boot of Italy or stormed the beaches of Normandy, they fought for victory. They suffered for victory. Some bled for victory. Many died for victory. But they dreamed of home. You know that, don't you? The soldier on the battlefield dreams of home. He fights for home. And every Italian villa that they liberated, every French villa after they stormed the beaches and went up onto the mainland, they brought a little bit of America a little bit of freedom, a little bit of hope for those oppressed. And our Lord Jesus Christ, when He walked this earth, He fought for victory. He suffered for victory. He bled for victory. He died for victory. But he dreamed of home. And then into every gulag of agony, into every broken family, in every addicted life, in every life oppressed by bondage of the devil, and of fear, and of anxiety, and worry, and judgment, he brought a little bit of heaven. He brought freedom. Into every leper colony, to every broken life, every wounded heart, every lonely soul, he touched, he brought freedom, he brought heaven, he brought his home, but he dreamed of the day he would return. 
And when he came home, what did he do? You see, this is important. This is not just theological doctrine. It is truth for the soul. It's truth for your life. So what did he do? The first thing he did is he presented his work to the Father. You know, all over this country today, children, little children will present, be presenting work to their mothers. Things they did in school. Maybe things they'll do in the Sunday school class today. They'll present it to mom. I still remember in seventh grade presenting to my mother on Mother's Day a chopping block that I made in wood shop. It was one of the last things she let loose of when she was downsizing and preparing for death. It was precious to her. Well, Jesus presented his work to God the Father. You may say, what was that work? It was the wounded hands and the pierced side. The full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. You see so many people. They want a Christ without the cross. Who saves people without sin. From a God without wrath. And in eternity without judgment. But that's not reality. Because we've all done things which we shouldn't have done. And sometimes they're not just small slights of others. They're life-breaking choices. We have done things we should not have done. And we have not done things we should have done. And there is a woundedness in the world. And within our hearts that no leech can quite suck dry. A poison in the blood that only blood can atone for. And he presents that work to the Father. You wonder why the resurrected body of Jesus Christ still has wounds in his hand and a pierced side. It is so not only we can see he's the same one who died, who rose, but that he presents that woundedness to the Father on our behalf. The great hymn writer said, Those dear tokens of his passion still his dazzling body bears, cause of endless exultation to his ransomed worshipers. With what rapture, with what rapture gaze we on those glorious scars. Do you look upon the wounded hands of Jesus and revel in his woundedness for your sake? Will in heaven there's a ticker tape prayed when he comes back. And he presents the woundedness of his life on our behalf for the Father. Why? So that where he is, you might one day be. Jesus said to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you will be also? So he presents his work to the Father and makes up home for you. Now what else? After he presents his work to the Father, he sits down at the right hand of all might, majesty, power, dominion, and authority on your behalf so that he can rule over your life, over the church, and over the world. Now, here's a tough thing. You'll see, perhaps, in the reading this morning, when Jesus took his disciples out to the Mount of Olives, and he ascended into heaven. Let me pause there for a moment. Because some of you are scientifically minded. And that may cause you some trouble. That Jesus ascends into heaven because you don't live in an up and down world. You know that the earth spins around on its axis. And as it spins around on its axis, it circles around the sun. And our solar system circles around in our galaxy. And our galaxy circles around in a universe that goes out in all spaces, up, down, east, west, south, up, whatever. There's no end to it. So where's he going when he goes up, which is not up? You ever ask yourself that question? The doubter asked himself that question. The scientifically minded person asked himself that question. And one of the things they say is, we don't live in a, in a three-tiered world. I think my battery is losing battery, but I've got enough energy to manage. So, here's what's going on. I knew I should have changed batteries. You got one there? Okay, well, this is going to be complicated. I'm, oh, just give me another microphone. That'll work. All right. Am I still, have I lost you? Okay, here we are. Jesus is going up. What does that mean? I tell you, it's a divine pantomime. You say, what do you mean by divine pantomime, Bishop? Well, you've got to look at it this way. Jesus has been appearing after his resurrection for 40 days to the, with the disciples. And then he tells them, I'm going away, but I will not leave you comfortless. I will give you another like unto myself, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but you will receive, because he will be with you and in you. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But I'm going. Home. Now, how does he get there? I mean, if he goes down into the earth, that's not a very good image, is it? We put people in the earth all the time. Loved ones we put into the earth. And we grieve. So that's not good. I guess he could just say, Scotty, beam me up. But many people don't know about Star Trek. So that won't work. So what else is he going to do? How about he levitate about 12 feet off the ground and go north? Well, then they're going to think if they're in Israel, I guess he's going up to Turkey. If he goes west, he's going to Spain. If he goes east, he's going to Iran or Iraq. If he goes south, he's going to Egypt. Well, that's not good. If he just doesn't appear the next day, we know what that's like. 
We've had friends that suddenly disappear. We're diagnosed with some disease and they don't even call us anymore. They don't want to deal with us. We get in some kind of argument and the relationship is over. And the friendship is lost. We don't want that. So he goes up. He goes up into a cloud which represents the presence and glory of God. And what is communicated to them is that He will come again in the way that He's left with glory and majesty and might and dominion that can be seen. It's a divine pantomime for the sake of the disciples and our sake because He's going to the place of all might, majesty, power, dominion, and glory. Now let's go back to the text. The disciples asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. Darn it. Because I want to know. I want to know when justice will reign. I want to know when death will have an end. I want to know when the broken will be healed. Where there is no sorrow. I want to know when in the world it's going to be that I can turn on a TV set or click on a computer and not read about some shooting taking place in some school or some loved one dying somewhere. I want to know when a person retires and finally gets out of the northeast and out of the snow and moves down to Hilton Head and buys their home that one of the spouses isn't going to suddenly get cancer or die just when they were looking forward to those years. Do you not want that too? That's what the kingdom means to them. They're thinking... Of Isaiah 65. No more shall it be heard in the sound of our streets weeping or a cry of distress. No more shall there be an infant who lives but a few days and an old man who does not fill out his days. No more will there be those who build houses and never inhabit them and plant vineyards and never eat of the fruit of them. When will this be? not for us to know. But it is for us to know this. That we have a friend in high places. That we have a, a, a Savior who set, sits in the place of all might, majesty, power, dominion, and authority. And He has released for each of us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And that Spirit intercedes on our behalf. That's why when you hear of these bad things, in these painful moments, there is something within your soul that says, Oh! St. Paul says that the Spirit of God intercedes within us with sighs too deep for words. Do you not have that? Do you not feel that? Oh, there are not days you wish you knew how to pray. You don't know what to pray for. 
but the Spirit of God whom Jesus gave indwells you and prays on your behalf. And those prayers go before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who lives to make prayers and intercessions on our behalf. It's a great day. The ascension. It's when Jesus went home. It's when He presented His work to the Father. It's when He sat down at the place of all might, majesty, power, dominion, and authority, so you have a friend in high places. You know, Father Greg's going to play golf at a special golf course coming up. A golf course that only members can play at. It's not Augusta, but it's like Augusta. You know, you can't play at Augusta if you're not a member and there's only a few people who are. So you can only play there if a, if a friend who's a member invites you. And he's had a friend that's invited into this special golf course that you probably, only if golfers have heard of, but even non-golfers know about Augusta. It all depends not on his merit. It depends on who he knows. And he happens to know Frank Bowen, who's allowed him to play on this golf course up in New Jersey. Friends can open doors for you, you know. And you've got a friend in the highest place of all. Jesus Christ. Talk to Him. Ask Him. He lives to make intercession for you. And in order to prove that to you, He sends the Holy Spirit to indwell you and empower you. And those people coming forward for confirmation, we're going to pray the Holy Spirit comes upon them in a new, fresh way today. And if you want, you can say, Lord, how about you coming upon me to do today? Because Jesus promised the Spirit will be with you and in you and upon you. With to comfort, in to transform, and upon to empower With that, let's get on with it. Please, join me in prayer. Father, on this Sunday, the Sunday after the Ascension, when we remember our Lord Jesus Christ's victory over death, His homecoming in heaven, His presentation of His full and perfect sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the world to you, His sitting in the place of all might, majesty, and power. His releasing of the Holy Spirit to indwell us and be with us and empower us. And His promise to come again with glory. Grant us, Lord, to know this truth, not only in our minds, but in our hearts. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.